Hey, this is Jose Galison of No Way Jose. Today I have with me LB Muniz, and uh, we're just going to be doing kind of one of my uh, Who Is episodes. We're just going to be kind of talk about who he is, where he's come from. I feel like he's an, we were actually just talking about how he's an underappreciated talent in this realm. And I really think all of you guys should go check out his work. He puts in a lot of work, you know, between podcasts, he has a lot of writing as well. He is definitely someone who's earned the respect of a lot of other content creators. But he's a, uh, you know, I do think you guys, a lot of you guys, especially if you really have a genuine interest in like, you know, intellectual exploration, I do think he's the guy for you. He's coming from it from an honest spot. I don't think he has any bias. I genuinely think if he's the kind of guy, if he was confronted with opposite, you know, information to what he believed, he would just turn on a dime. Like it wouldn't even be, he has no, none of this ideological, God, what's the word everyone's using lately? LB will tell me in a minute. I'm being a retard now. But anyways, um, as always, give me money. Patreon.com just no way Jose 2020. Go check out Top Lobster uh, at toplobster.com. He has some of my merch there, so you can get a No Way Jose shirt. Uh, you know, I he has two different designs, or you can go get any number of other designs from other shows as well. He is kind of the man. He is creating monopoly in that regard, and uh, you may want to get in early. Uh, Top Lobster is the fucking dude, and hopefully, we'll begin a portrait for LB here soon. Um, with that, let's go ahead and bring on LB and let's fucking do this. Boop. I was a little slow with my trigger finger there, so it made it a little awkward. <laughs> no worries. What's going on, homie? What's up, dude? How you been? Oh, good, good. I mean, I'm no Nick Ashley, so I'm not about to chug this Fiji water, but, you know, still <laughs> low-key uh, bougie flex. Yeah. So I, I wanted to – we were actually just talking in pre. We actually did like a whole like half hour just before this just now just because we were just shooting the shit and like – that's mm-hmm. just the kind of guy you are. And like, it's funny. I don't, I don't know if you'd really kind of gotten your name out before you, we did our talk. We, we did a talk on no. your show forever ago. And like, it's funny. Like, I feel like I kind of threw your, started throwing your name out to other dudes. And now it's like everybody, like you're this, like you're this, like one of these best kept secrets of like the libertarian podcast in, you know, sphere. Cause it's like, everyone's like, Oh yeah, I'll be the shit. Like, yeah, he's awesome. Like, you know, like and that's kind of the talk behind the scenes. Like, it's like, your name gets thrown around like that, but it's, I don't know. It is kind of one of those things that really no, like you guys need to check this dude yeah, out. Because no, you're, you were, I was, I think we connected on MeWe originally back when yeah. we were all still using MeWe a lot, or maybe you still are. <laughs> and I'm just not, um, but yeah, just kind of, you know, I was looking because you were, you were plugging hard, you know, you were promoing hard. So I figured, all right, let's have a conversation with this guy. So no, thank you because you've introduced mm-hmm. me to a lot of the, you know, you introduced me to James who, you know, got me to Adam and, you know, and James and I have had a couple of great talks. So yeah, just kind of like connecting with the broader group of guys and gals who are making content right now. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, before we get too far into me, one thing I love about what we're saying right now and what we're doing right now is like, I think this is a real example of like emergent order, right? And there is this criticism in, uh, you know, the broader cyberspace and reality of like, oh, there's just too many podcasts. Look, there's always going to be too many podcasts. There are too many guys who know how to play a guitar, right? Not all of them become Jimmy, somebody like Jimi Hendrix, right? Not all of them become an Eric Clapton, but a lot of people love to play. And sometimes playing just means you're, you save it for when you're with your family and you're all sitting around a campfire. And sometimes playing means you do a couple of shows a year for like 500 people at certain events because it fits your niche. Like at the end of the day, as a musician, you still just want to play. Right. That's that's the ultimate love. And the people who and the people who are the best are going to rise to the top as a consequence. And I think that's something I think that's that's really cool about the broader space of like content creators 
specifically in this liberty space and then there's such a there's such a a um what's the word uh everybody is so condensed right there's so many of us and people like will say like oh there's consternation and saying like that's a problem it's like it's not really a problem like you should be doing this because you love it not because you think you're going to get rich because if you just think you're going to get rich you're not because the space is too saturated and obama and freaking uh what's his face why can't i think of his name springsteen right. bruce springsteen right. yeah obama and bruce springsteen have a podcast right like th that's how far podcasting has come so yeah no thank you for that thanks for having me on i'm looking forward to uh getting into the conversation and um crap what was it i had it in my mind when you said it and now i can't remember the word that you were trying to think of before possession i thought of it just yes, now ideological possession yeah mm -hmm. i didn't want to throw off the the thing with that ideological possession because that's another yeah. thing everyone's been saying a bunch lately um but I, I mean i have my own opinions on why that's been a frequent thing thrown around recently mm -hmm. and I, I do i mean i don't know maybe we can go into ideological possession a little bit because i have some thoughts on that like but uh that might, i don't know a anyways I, I did want to touch on something you brought up there that like because one of the big things I think about, especially a lot of podcast people, people like give a lot of our kind like shit about like grifting or whatever. And I've gotten that accusation. Tower of Power Hour has gotten that accusation. But it's like, and don't get me wrong, there are people who grift, you know, quote unquote. But I, I guess I, I define grifting as like you're, you're so set on success that it comes off as cringy. Where mm. like to some extent it is like you actually need to be good what you're doing. But I feel like it's this weird quandary. It's like a paradox. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, I've joked about this with my wife before. Like, the nights when I'm trying to get laid the most with my wife are, like, the nights I'm, like, the least likely to get laid. Like, mm -hmm. it's like if yeah. you're trying too hard, it's like. Yeah, yeah. So, and I feel like the same thing kind of goes with grifting. So, like, that, right. that to me was what grifting is. Where they're trying so hard, it's off-putting. But if you're d dedicated to your craft, you actually genuinely want to have good discussions, you're entertaining, whatever. Generally, the, the, it rises, to, the cream rises to the top. I do think certain styles rise quicker than others. I mean, I've said to you before, just, like, today, that, like, I think. I think you've kind of picked the slow path, but I actually think you're going to have a good future, you know, as long as you stick the path, because I do think mm -hmm. you, you know, it, it, and, and honestly, I do think there will be a boom as well. Cause there's something that's like network effect that happens. Like yeah. it is, you know, it's an emergent order. This kind of came out. There's weirdly like a hierarchy of podcasts is real as cringy as that may sound like, but it's not even well, a hierarchy but, per se. It's almost a social thing where a lot of us are just friends and shit, you know? So, so we're mimetic creatures. Right. And like, yeah. And like friendships develop as a consequence of this. And you and I are separated across a country. So like, this is a way in which we can kind of like shoot the shit. We can talk, we can have an interesting conversation and we can have something entertaining that other people want to check out as well, which is what makes us unique. Um, you know, we're all doing podcasting because we know somebody and we like people who are podcasters and are successful podcasters, right? We are mimetic creatures. We we copy and we and we try to bring things forward. So like if there was nothing interesting about podcasting, nobody would listen to it and nobody would want to do one. Right. So like there's so there's this element of like um there, there's just this element of that where people have this impression in their minds of like, well it's I, I have to I I can't get to this place because the other person is so far ahead of me. And you know, one thing I've certainly noticed, and I'm not, you know, I we, we were just talking about our age, like I just turned 29 last week, but I've certainly noticed that the people who I was, you know, like people who I'm friends with, people who I just kind of know, it's the ones who show up and put in the work are the ones who are like far more successful now than they were in the past. And again, you know, if you're not doing this for the love of it, I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to have fun, but like grifting, the whole point of a grift is like, it's a con. 
right? Like that's what the word, that was the original meaning of the word. A grift was like, is, is, was a specific con that you could pull over somebody. So you are purposefully deceiving them. And to me, that's, that would be the mark of a grifter versus a content creator. Now, again, the grifter thing, the reason why it's something, the reason why it's uttered so much in a place like Twitter is just because at the end of the day, a lot of people are parrots, right? Like a lot of people are just, it's just coming in and then it's getting spewed out. So grifter ended an argument before that I've had. So I, it's going to end this argument as well, right? It's, yeah. it's the, it's the eternal meme of, are you losing an argument? Call somebody a racist, or if you're a libertarian, call them a statist. Like yeah. it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, there is how we, there's the form of how we use language. And there's also the substance of how we use language and the meaning that we're driving at in, in, in everything that we do. Right. Like I like to say what I, what I tweet is different from what I write on my Substack. is different from how I'll talk on a podcast. It's different how like I'll talk off air with you. And like, I'll talk with my boys that I've known my entire life or my sister or my mother, or like, you know, it, there's all of these things are different. But but like what I do is try to apply the same principles in each in, in each case. Right. And so it's like these ideas that animate me as a person come out in these different mediums of, um, of thought and expression. Like I've done music in the past, like I've written songs, I've written raps. I'm a percussionist, like all of these things feed into who I am as a person. Um, and I've explored ideas. I, I've explored ideas in all of these different mediums. I used to do acting when I was growing up, like. These were, uh, you know, I, I dance. Um, I love to dance. Like these are different ways in which you can express yourself. Yeah, no, and go, but go back. I, I do think grift is just one of those things, and you know, not to focus on too much, but it's something that's been bugging me for a while, especially now that like me and some of the people, the circles around us, a lot of people are starting to see success. But we, a lot of us have been doing this for about three quarters of a year, a little bit longer. And it's like, mm -hmm. and we also kind of never expected to have this kind of success. And right. when I say success, it's like, for example, like to, to bring back to Tower Power, they get, they've gotten a lot of accusations of grifting, but it's like, Why? dude, they, I, I don't they're know. They're literally just, they're literally just having a hang. It yeah. Is, it's literally fun. Like yeah. it, this is, but this is, but this is a perfect example. Of they haven't never made been a, a single dollar either. They haven't right. made a single dollar. There you yet. go. Even more. But like, <laughs> yeah. but there's, you, I've never met a hater doing better than me. Right. That's what yeah. Jason Stapleton says all the time. And I love it because it's so true. And, you know, another thing, and if we want to get a little more granular to the libertarian space, right, the broader liberty space, whatever, um, you know, frankly, frankly, uh, a lot of people, I think, are, God, this is going to sound petty, but they're jealous of the fact that you and I can sit and have a conversation. And we literally went for 30 minutes just shooting the shit about a lot of really interesting stuff and then realized we weren't recording. Like, like public speaking is a skill. Right. Like being able to communicate ideas effectively, coherently, um, it, it's a skill that needs to be cultivated and developed. And yeah, I'll do an hour, 20 podcasts by myself solo. But if you listen to the first episode of Been Awake, it was 10 minutes because that's what I could do at the time. And like a few years ago, I was doing hour solo episodes, but it's a skill. It has to be developed and built upon itself. Um and, and like and so like I think there's I think there's an element of that with like the oh, we don't need another podcast. It's like Look, man, you know, why don't you work on speaking better? Like it's it like it's tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's easy and and I and it might be a little it might be rude of me to say, I guess, from my position because I've just spent so long focusing on how I speak, you know, like my job is sales. I spent a lot of time acting. I've always loved radio and broadcast and this medium of podcasting. Like I've always enjoyed this stuff. So I've always paid attention to like the, the, the top players in this market. 
But like, again, it's a matter of intentionality. Like I want to have a good speaking voice. I want to be able to communicate myself effectively. And so I go ahead and I pursue that. And I don't fault people who aren't interested in that. What bugs me are the people who would turn around and say, oh, well, this is a grift because you're just mad at somebody else's success. And like, I could get, I could get upset at other people's success. Why would I, why would I like, like successful people don't do that. Successful people go out there and they find success for themselves. Yeah. And it's so petty. Cause it's like the level of success we're literally talking about, like to bring it back, like tower powers literally made no money yet. Um, like they're literally bumming off of my stream yard. Um, <laughs> I, I make, I mean, I started with a Patreon for the, like roughly around the beginning, but mm. I make I, I, I did it to cover my costs of Patreon because I got it or not Patreon of uh, StreamYard. But even then I make I probably make like a, ga a gas tank. And I'm not saying that to be like, you know, you know, thank you for everyone who does that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of what kept me going to some extent because it's like and not everyone can do that. But I've been doing this for almost a year and it's like you don't it is a slow grind, but it's yeah. like I so um, for me, it was like, especially if I was going to lose money, it's kind of like, what am I doing? Right. You know, and it's funny. Like people like shit on us. Like, like, well, you could be doing other stuff. It's like, I mean, you are a different story because you put in a lot of time, a lot of effort. Uh, but I like do like usually like two podcasts a week, uh, which is like it with time that I wasn't going to do anything else at that period of time anyways. Because mm -hmm. uh, so it's like usually in the afternoon, like it's just my free time. I'm a very busy guy. So like this right. criticism, well, yeah, people are like, you well, like, you, could... you, got, you got three kids. Yeah, I have two kids, you two know, kids, like, a wife. I've... Like you have yeah. cat, like yeah, like yeah. you have other things go like that's you know, I'm single, you know, yeah. for, for worse most of the time. I'm single, I have no children. Um, so like I, that kind of so it's one of those things where I kind of was like, Well, you know, I if I'm gonna if I, I've always said I was a good writer, I've always said I could do a podcast, and this is proving it to myself, is is kind of is doing that work, doing that output. There's one more important point before we before we move off of grifting, which is who who calls themselves liberty-minded who calls themselves a libertarian and then gets upset at people making money screw you you mm -hmm. don't deserve it you don't I, I i can't even i don't even take you seriously yeah not like such you a know, fucking like, joke i might get i might get a little eye rolly sometimes where where people you know with, with certain people who are always trying to push different things but like Again, that's the game. And if you don't recognize that it's a game, that's fine. You're just not playing, right? So, like, I don't have to listen to your opinion then. If they don't provide value to them, don't give them any of your value. Right. And, like, you know, people people can become a premium subscriber at beenawake.com. I've monetized the Substack. If you're interested, I'm offering a 50% off lifetime discount uh, before the one-year anniversary of the website, which is uh, September 6th, I believe. So you can get 50% off forever a yearly donation. It's $50 or 10 or five bucks a month. That's, you know, a few meals at Chipotle. It's not that much money. Um, you know, that's just kind of a thank you. But like, I look at it as somebody, even if somebody gives me $10, right? Because you can give me a one-off donation too. If you go to buymeacoffee.com slash been awake, even if somebody just does that, like, thank you. That's $10 that you didn't have to give me that you are now. It's just like when people subscribe with their email address or they follow my Twitter account that tells me that I'm doing something worthwhile mm -hmm. and maybe yeah. it's, maybe I'm doing something that's only going to get me. That's only going to net me a thousand followers. Maybe it's something that's going to net me a hundred thousand. I, I, you, you don't actually know until you get there. Right. But the important part is the, is the work is, is the consistency is pushing it out. Mm -hmm. However yeah. you figure that out. Yeah. No, the key to this game is slow grind. And it's like, but yeah, I mean, for those who do, you know, 
for the few people who do give me money, like do you realize that like what you're contributing towards is like, if you find value in something, contribute towards it. That way it can increase in value because it's kind of like you're investing in me. Like, I mean, assuming people like continue to do that, it's whatever bit I'm getting from that frees me up in other regards. So like, exactly. for example, I just got out of the military. Uh, so like, you know, I'm, I have other shit. So the more like, if I can get more shit, like not that I'm like saying I'm ever going to get rich, but the more it makes it. So I'm capable of continuing to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, I'm not saying that in like a begging way. I, I have, I have shit worked out on that. So, but, but still That's the more cool. that I'm able to yeah. do that, the more it's a realistic expectation for me to actually be able to continue doing it and continue providing quality content. I mean, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. So, but uh, let's go ahead and get moving because, uh, I mean, it's funny. I feel like me and you can take any topic and just sit there and shoot the shit about it for like fucking 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's move on. I kind of want to, I mean, this is about you. So, I want to get to know you. Like, what was your development? Where did you come from? You know, yeah. how did you get here? You know, let's do it. So I tell the story a few different ways, um, but but here's but here but here's the main one. So I have two sides of my family. I have an Irish side and a Cuban side. The Muniz obviously comes from the Cuban side. Um, so you're black and, and Hispanic. <laughs> no man, listen, white. Uh, either Cubans are white. Like that's. No, the I'm, thing. I'm joking. Yeah. What, yeah. What's the other one you said is because Irish. It, yeah, because that's the Thaddeus Russell thing, where it was like any oh, uh, it was like oh. the Irish, the Italians, they're all considered blacks. Yes, yes. That's yes, the yes, joke yes. that you know you can say they're black. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you know, this this is a key insight into like how I grew up because like you're not Cuban, you don't look Latino. It's like I I look listen, I look like my family. Like I look like my mom's. I look like that side of the family. I just do. Right. Like, and, and so it's like Cubans come in every color. It's not, you know, the, what most of the people did, because I grew up in the West, they just they just confuse Mexican with uh, they just can. Well, they don't and not even Mexican because Mexicans come in every color, too. Like there's just an there's just a parochial ignorance that is that is endemic. But, you know, whatever. So I'm not obviously brown. So I don't look, you know, what you think a Caribbean looks like. Whatever. That's 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 all just dumb stuff that girls told me in high school. But to the substance, you know. That is um, having that as my grandparents escaping communism and then also being part of the, like in a, a very American family that appreciated the Constitution, appreciated, you know, like what my like, you know, Ronald Reagan was a huge influence. Um, I was, you know, kind of brought up to love this country, um, but then also hate communism and understand the evils of communism. So I like to refer to com that 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 Cuban background is kind of my inoculation. Um you know, Cuba's in the news right now, and it's brought up a lot of feelings inside of me where I usually, I usually pride myself on like intellectual detachment. Um, but like, there's a good chance that like I have the, I have the hardware, if you will, uh, to be a very good Marxist professor, right? Like, I'm good at arguing. I'm good at, you know, I'm good at philosophy. I know kind of what I'm doing. If I was willing to play a game, play that game rather, I, I think I could have. But I had this inoculation of being Cuban that I kind of grew up with. So I under always understood the evils of communism, the evils of socialism. Um, and that was kind of like, you know, before me as a thinking person, then at 18 and I was a vociferous reader as a kid. So like I had read like uh, most, I had read most of the classics by the time I was 14 years old. What does vociferous um, mean? No, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a lot of voice. Um, but like, you know, I had read most of the classics by the time I was like in high school and like some I didn't read, but I, I read a lot of them, you know, heavier books and some lighter ones. I was that kid that read Harry Potter in a night because, you know, it just came out at midnight and I had to finish it first before everyone else. Um, so I used to read a lot, you know, went to a, went to a decent high school. Um, 
and then college. And um, I was given the, I was told to read by my great uncle, my Tio Carlito, um, who I, I was told by him to read Road to Serfdom by Hayek. Uh, so I read that, like, I read that when I was 18 years old. Um, and that kind of like started me down the path towards, you know, Austrian economics, free market thinking. But then, but, but I wasn't quite like a libertarian. I didn't even know what that was. Um, you know, in 2012, I was in university and I was um, volunteering with the college Republicans and, you know, Ron Paul was running that and it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Paul's nice. And the people were like, no, you don't understand. Libertarianism is super interesting. You got all, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but like, but like Obama's going to bring socialism to this country. So we got to get Romney elected. You know, like this, this was my thinking in 2012 because it just seemed obvious to me. You know, we were going to be re like Republicans stood for things like freedom. Um, and basically right after that, right after the 2012 election, when I, when it, when it lost, I was like, okay, well I got something wrong. Cause I thought Romney was going to win. I was, you know, now I would say like, I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Like I was playing, I was, I was playing that political game and I really thought that Romney could win because that's what people were telling me. Um, and so like that night, <laughs> that night I got drunk in Miami. Cause that's where I was living at the time saying karaoke and somebody bought me a beer but just a weird flash of memory. But after that, like, like, like pretty soon after that, I listened to a lecture from Walter Block about uh, his intro to libertarianism lecture. And that kind of, that just kind of started it all. Right. So then it was reading, uh, you know, then it was like reading Mises.com all the time, listening to the Tom Woods show growing from that standpoint. But what I think what makes me different is that I was also studying philosophy at the time. And I had been studying philosophy kind of prior to when I discovered the Mises Institute and the Austrian School of Economics. Um, and so what, what was different about that is I had already discovered skepticism. And that still is, I still claim to be a skeptic, a philosophical skeptic. Uh, so like that's, uh, it's, it answers an epistemological question, which is to say, how do we know something? And I would say, I don't know that we can actually say we know anything for certain, right? Um, you know, Socrates is that this is commonly put in terms of Socrates as saying, the one thing I know is that I know nothing. To be a little more precise, it's the one thing that I know is that I know nothing, not even that I don't know anything. Um, so I read a few papers on that and written a few papers on that as well. And in fact, you know, I've gone back and read some of these and, and, and like the political struggle was part of the reason for this. Because I'm like, okay, why is it that people, you know, uh, this is The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, you know, that wasn't out at the time, but it, it, it come out, I think, a couple years after of just saying like, well, so why is it that good people can disagree? Why is it that somebody who is a very good person will one that will say they're a Democrat and Republicans are awful and a very good person will say they're a Republican, but Democrats are awful? And how is it that people can still get along but have these big disagreements? Um, and that was really the precipice for kind of where you find me today. Um, which is, you know, I write at beenawake.com. Beenawake is an answer to the inevitable question of why I'm not one with the woke. And it's because it's because I'm not woke. I've been awake. Like I've been looking into these ideas far longer than most of the people on Facebook have. And I've come to I've, I've come to answers with them as well. Now, that, that doesn't work when I'm out on a first date. But, you know, <laughs> but it has but it gives me some solace in that I have this body of work where I try to where I try to put inquiry before dogma and engage in better sense making, right? Like, you know, if I'm being, sometimes I'll say, oh, you know, I do the philosophy thing, or I'll say I'm kind of a philosopher, or I walk the path of a philosopher. I've kind of taken on the moniker of sense maker because I don't want to be too presumptuous to say I'm a philosopher, but like, 
it's it's kind of all the same, right? Because I'm using reason, logic, um, to try and craft a narrative and to try and make sense out of this super complex existence that we have as human beings. Yeah, no, something I think that is a big part of the, you know, intrigue that is LB is your skepticism, which I mean, I feel like I kind of come from there as well. And I mean, we've come to different conclusions and different things, but I feel like both me and you approach it from a skeptical perspective. And I, I do feel like that's super refreshing, which I mean, I guess to touch on something we touched a little bit before uh, was ideological possession. I feel like is mm -hmm. the opposite of uh, skept skepticism to some yeah. extent, because um, like for you, I feel like it's the difference of looking at your life through binary lens or looking at it through the lens of a spectrum and not to sound like an annoying lefty, but you know, like you said, you know, the only thing I know is I know nothing. So like, that's kind of how I look at life is like, I'm looking at it from, I have degrees of certitude and mm -hmm. that's about it. And nothing is ever a hundred percent and nothing is ever 0%, but right. it's it maybe 99.999, you know, repeating or, mm -hmm. you know, point zero 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 you know, infinity one, but like, you know, I could be a brain in the vet in a vat. It could be solipsism. You know, it could be right. fucking, it could be turtles all the way down. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like it's, so that's kind of how I approach things. And I think that's a, and I feel like looking at life that way gives you a certain humility. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, you know, I feel like to some extent that might be some of the, why it rubbed people so wrong with like a lot of this post libertarian stuff that, you know, you know, shit that happened recently. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like, while they are coming from different, you know, perspectives that are fresh and interesting, and I'm very appreciative of it, I still feel like it's coming from this binary to some extent. So it's coming from more of a certitude right. type perspective. And I feel like that's why it's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. Whereas I can see that and be like, well, I see where they're coming from. I'm not irritated by it. I understand. I take it for what it is. It's very interesting. But mm -hmm. a lot of people, when especially when they also are looking at life from this like certitude binary type perspective and someone else comes out with this other binary perspective that clashes with theirs like whoa 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 fuck you even yeah. though these are the people who are always screeching about the duopoly or whatever but mm -hmm. it's like they don't realize they still have sacred cows but it's like that's why i feel like it's super important to not have this ideological uh, possession which i know people say that no matter what you do but i feel like the difference between ideological possession and skepticism is i feel like ideological possession is starting with a conclusion and working back and then you know skepticism is starting from the groundwork of you know the best i can do is my my uh senses and i'm gonna work up from there yeah um because i mean even your senses is a degree of certitude because it's like could be solipsism we could we could be mm -hmm. a brain in a vat like who knows but at the end of the day the best the best thing you have is your senses and you can work from there that's about it you know so I had for a little bit, my pinned tweet said that Twitter is constant in-group signaling that the out-group sees. And I love talking about in-groups and out-groups um, because I'm fascinated by culture and I'm fascinated by the idea of identity. That's kind of what drives a lot of, um, a lot of my thinking, my musings about the world. There is within all of us, right? So, so, you know, the enlightenment philosophers said that we had instinct and reason. And if we left instinct behind, when we focused on reason, then we would create a better world. They were wrong. Right. And they were wrong for one major reason is they missed a key component, which is faith. Most human being, all human beings have the capacity for faith, just like we have our instinct and we have our capacity for reason. Here's the difference between reason and faith is that your faith has to go somewhere. You have to put your faith somewhere. You could say, you know, fa faith in nothing, I think, is, is a contradiction in terms. Right. Like you might have faith in yourself. You might have faith in the possibility of something good happening to you. 
it's you know these things are esoteric they're not so they're not so concrete but like faith has to go somewhere and you will put your faith in something at some point because it's inevitable what's happening right now in the space is that people's faith is being shattered right because these are these are sake because it is sacred cows it's dogma and a lot of people like dogma and there's nothing wrong with a lot of people liking dogma right because it does it is helpful you know you brought up the binary thinker we all have the capacity for the binary within us i argue i've been arguing recently that this is as i've as i've kind of brought to the fore my actual schematization of things and how i classify thoughts and ideas um but so like th this stuff has become a little bit clear so the binary exists at the level of instinct right and instinct includes our emotions you know like what we literally think of as instincts evolution right which evolution has a cultural component too so it becomes even more complement uh, complicated our genetics like our, the epigenetic phenomenon that occurs as we grow up all of these things are are, are part and parcel of our instinct and the instinct is a binary, right? Fight or flight. It is. The, I think it's the amygdala is, controls the fear center of the brain. It's the or it's the lizard part of the brain, right? And so, like, it is that simple. It is just this is is this person a friend or a foe? Is he with us or is he with them? Because if he's with them, then I gotta watch out for him because I don't know him. But if he's with us, then we're cool. And so, what's what's what is happening with some of this is that people are actually bringing real critiques you know, real criticisms against an ideology that a lot of people hold dear. Um, you know, Jordan Peterson talked a lot about ideological possession and I was just, I was, you know, I drive a lot and my last podcast, uh, there's still three episodes available. There's like three or four episodes available because it was done through SoundCloud and that's what like comes through on the free paid version. And I was listening to a conversation I had with a good friend of mine, Khalil, who I've had on my show and who is, um, you know, him and I have been talking ideas for as long as we've known each other which is like five, five years at this, five or six years at this point, he just got married. Um, he's awesome. Uh, but like, you know, we were kind of like literally talking about the whole thing of like, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that some libertarians and communists have this like utopic idea in common. It's like, like literally stuff that we're talking about right now. And I was talking about in the show, which it was good to remind myself of how much I was trying to rid myself of ideological possession at that time. Because I had become very like, well, libertarianism is the only way. And in fact, libertarianism is so much the only way that I'm going to rebrand it as liberalism understood properly so I can try and attract a broader audience to a message. Um, and I don't and I just don't I don't look at things the same way. Like I still think that libertarianism belongs within liberalism. I would still consider myself a defender of liberalism, uh, broadly speaking. Um but, you know, but but again, to your what you were getting at before, as a skeptic, I maintain the right to change my mind. And I also will look for good arguments. Uh, and, and just to, like, tie that up real quick, there is um, as I was kind of entering, you know, the podcasting space and the writing space again, I was thinking about, you know, I like to say that, you know, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. And one of those questions is, what are the shortcomings of libertarianism? Well, Turns out some people have been asking and some people are actually answering those questions. And to the extent that I've been participating in this, in, you know, on, in a place like Twitter, but also, you know, as far as working with people in real life is I'm, I'm witnessing, I'm witnessing a lot of those criticisms in real time manifesting themselves to the extent that I never considered these things part of, of what I believed, but a lot of people do. And I think this is reconcilable through what I call the paradox of identity but 
you know, but, but at the same time, like I, I, I can recognize that, like the point we were making before about like being able to being able, you and I just being able to come on here and have a conversation, right? Like it's just there. I've witnessed the people who aren't, you know, who like they just, they just wouldn't, right. They're not the person who's going to get up and give a speech in front of a bunch of people or like have an entertaining conversation that people are going to want to listen to. And again, I don't like, I don't say this to sound elitist because that's a word that's thrown in my face a lot. It's just an observation, um, but people don't like it when you observe when you observe things about the world. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean that is a big one. Like you're in sales. I've been in military my whole like not my whole life, but I've been in for eleven years. So it's like I do think we have different skill sets. I mean, you can, I feel like that also presents in our different styles and how we do podcasts. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I come from more of like a dude bro type perspective, but it's almost a Joe Rogan, if you will, but like, but not quite, you know, like, and that's kind of my thing. I've been in the military for 11 years. I very much is a dude bro type environment, but I also am the guy who also enjoyed reading. I did all that stuff on the side. So I joke that I'm a retard who reads books like that's what Mm -hmm. I've said before. That's kind of my brand. But like, to some extent, that's kind of like, I am good at interacting with that crowd. You know, the, you know, your generic, you know, dudes, dude, and like translating these ideas to them the best way that I can. And I've also been in positions where since I've been in the military for 11 years of leadership, you know, team Mm -hmm. building, stuff like that. I mean, I, I despise the military, but I have, but there are obviously positives to be derived out of anything. So a lot of what they do works. I went to my high school had a, um, I believe the largest army JROTC battalion in the country. Uh, was my high school so like that military training uh, was it was a big part of my early years in fact I almost I almost uh, committed to the military and then in a kind of a weird twist of things I didn't and it's one of those like it's one of those moments that I look back on and I think about how different my life would have been uh, if if that had if that had happened because it was like it was a literal fluke where you do your interview portion if you're going for an ROTC scholarship and for whatever reason the professor of military science just didn't like me like, I don't know, maybe maybe he sussed something out about me that I couldn't tell myself at the time because I wanted like I that's what I wanted. I wanted to be in the military. I wanted to be an officer. Um, you know, I'd probably be a few pounds lighter if I if I had if I had gone that route. But for for better or worse, I, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm kind of thankful for that because I didn't contract too early. And then a few years later, I was at a point where I'm like, my beliefs contradicted military service. Um, and certainly in the, in the U S military as it stands right now. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I think that is something that you, that you do well. And it's, um, it's, it's stupid that in my late twenties, I'm starting to really explore the idea of masculinity, isn't it? Just like, it's really stupid that it took Jordan Peterson for me to, for me to really contend with the idea of hierarchy, even though I was studying philosophy actively at the time, like, understanding what it means to be a man is so important and it's actually had me embrace a lot of the things that as a kid as kind of and because i was i'm a sensitive i am a sensitive person i'm i have you know i um i think one of the reasons why i can do a decent show is i can i can convey emotion well um and while i tend to be a little more reserved i am a very passionate person in my nature but so like you know i and i was bullied a lot as a kid frankly um, which, which is part of the reason why I'm decent at arguing now, but like it's had me embrace some things of like, like trolling, for example, is a perfect example of this, or even just like busting balls, right? Like it, I think because I was, 
like bullied, I never quite understood the positive effects of that until, you know, I got a little bit older and then you're kind of just hanging out with guys and you realize that, oh yeah, no, this like, like busting balls works really, really well to build, uh, to build a spirit decor and like, and the types of things that you need to run an effective team. And it also, it also cuts through the, it cuts through the pretentiousness of a situation as well. Yeah, which which yeah. is which is highly important because listen it's very easy to sound esoteric and super super smart it's not as difficult as you might think it's as simple as knowing words right like like intersectionality right and if we just understand the pedagogical implications of this if we understand the pedagogical implications of this conversation and the toxic masculinity at display then we can actually understand that the inherent whiteness of the universe is such that right like it's just a mode of speaking that we can put ourselves into like so there's um that that's one of the reasons why like I've really come to embrace the broader like like not the broader troll culture and I don't really engage in it so much but just this idea of now screw your uh, uh what's the word like screw your regime like screw your uh, respectability that's what it is screw your respectability like tell me give it to me straight because because people hide in the form of of words right like they 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 can easily hide themselves and what their true intentions are by by simply saying the right thing yeah I mean, no oh, go ahead sorry. no i was just gonna say i was gonna touch on that like the, with the masculinity point i do think the military and like police and stuff like that they have a they have a tendency to kind of suck out the masculinity from our culture and redirect it in a negative way Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like they're taking and I, I i've talked about this before isn't the first time i talked about it but it is like they're kind of taking what i think is a healthy instinct of, of man to be masculine and you know deriving it in or or, or directing it in negative ways and, and and it's been in a weird way it's been done to such an extent that there's not as many outlets there's not really that many outlets otherwise like yeah there's blue collar work and stuff but like the ultra masculine like you know like fucking kill like kind of like part of our brain is man's like, mm -hmm. where is that at? Like, you're not, that's like, that's military. That's cops. Like we don't really have an outlet for that. So that's why, like, I feel like that's part of why it's so pervasive is it's such a deep, you know, lizard brain part of man, like these tendencies of like, you know, at, at our core, to some extent, whether you want to say it or not, we are fucking kill. Like that's yeah. kind of what we are. And like, human beings, we are, <laughs> who we try not to be. Mm. Like, like we, we are like, we have, we have an animal within us, right? Like I said, like the instinct comprises so much of what I think a human being actually is. And then we just have this like reason thing and this faith thing on top of that, that, that turns us into these marvelous creatures, right? That, that the, we, that we literally don't know of any, 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 any other creature like us in existence in the entire, in the entire universe and the entire cosmology, we have yet to discover definitive proof of an, ex of a creature as complicated as humanity. I don't care. Like, Yes, octopi octopuses are really cool. Yes, dolphins are really smart. Yes, elephants are super intelligent. If you think that this is new to humanity, go read Apology for Raymond Sebon by by Montaigne, who's who's a skeptic of the of the freaking uh, Renaissance, right? Like he was writing at the Renaissance at the time that the New World was being discovered, and he and they knew then they had already observed then in their way how how smart, intelligent animals could be. That's not the point. They don't, you know, dolphins don't have civilization. They just don't. Um, and, you know, maybe octopus are more intelligent than we give them credit for. But at the same time, like, that just means I'm not going to eat them. Right. Yeah, it to, doesn't to, mean go, to go on a nerdy tangent, the reason why they're not dolphins is because they don't have uh, hands. They aren't able to interact with their environment as well. Octopus, mm -hmm. they, they are extremely intelligent. The reason why they're not like at a human level right now is because 
they the mother doesn't care for their young because it literally yep. is an act of suicide. So that while they are intelligent enough to pass on information from generation to generation, they don't have that uh, feature because the the generation dies and just they kind of it's just this retard that's born to the wild, but it's also actually really weirdly kind of smart. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like a reset. It's like they hit the reset button on every generation. So yep. they don't have they have the ability, especially with you know octopus with how they move their hands. They can interact their environment in a mass, like, really better way than we can. And, right. like, so, I mean, yeah, if they, if, if Octopus ever fucking, like, started not killing themselves to, to, to bring up the young and pass on their knowledge from the one to the next, I mean, biologically speaking, they probably would. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm kind of talking my ass a little bit here, but it wouldn't be too much longer, evolutionarily speaking, before we, we, we would be their bitches. Right. Well, <laughs> it's interesting, but it's also interesting to ponder because it, because you bring in the evolutionary mindset, which is so important. Um, you know, and this is, and in fact, like evolutionary thinking has, is, is being cast from the universities, right? That's why Jordan Peterson was disavowed. That's why the wine, that's why Brett Weinstein and Heather Hyen were disavowed. That's why Gad Sad is not considered to be like a, a good, uh, an academic in, in, in good standing, although he's managed to maintain his position, um, you know, but which is, which is good for him. Cause you know, he's a nice guy and I wish well for him, but like, here's this evolution, there's this field of evolutionary thinking that like that that answers so many of these questions and in fact is completely coherent with like in a which is completely coherent with like uh with like with uh human action and with praxeology like it's it's praxeology if because i was just rereading some of the early uh chapters of human action um because i'm writing a response to popular liberty but like it's it's like it's it's a proto it's a proto evolutionary theory Right. Like Mises recognizes the validity of evolution. He recognizes, you know, his big compl- his big disagreement with Marx has to do with the polylogism found in Marxism, where Mises says, no, we're all humans. We all have this natural logical structure of the brain. I would say this. I would put this in terms of we all have the capacity for reason. And just because you have the capacity for reason doesn't mean you can achieve that capacity or even that you want to in certain cases. Right. Like you all have that you have the capacity to reach a certain point. Um, but you got to work at it. It's not, it's not like the instinct that says like, when I see a snake, I know that's danger, right? Like if I, if you see a snake out of the corner of your eye, it may, like, I think one time going through Twitter, there was like a, a video of like a snake in a bathtub with somebody. And I just kind of like saw it out of the corner of my eye. I don't usually get freaked out when I see pictures of snakes, but that one freaked me out because I wasn't really focusing on it. And my, and the, and the, and my brain recognized what it was seeing before my consciousness did. If that makes sense, that's instinct right? That's instinct. This is practice. Like our capacity for language is practice. It takes work. It takes going over things. And and again, and not everybody's going to reach that same point. And that's completely okay. Because that's also, you know, there's also the division of labor aspect of it, where people still have value, even though, even if they don't, like, like, like there's this um idea that if you're not the best, then it's, then it's bad. Like I was talking to a buddy of mine, Cause I went out with some of his friends and I just kind of like casually remarked like, yeah, you know, like I'm at the bottom of that hierarchy. And he's like, Oh, I wouldn't say that. I'm like, what do you mean? You wouldn't say that. Like, you know, three of them are over six foot. They're all in good shape. Like, it's just it, it, like for on a pure, pure physical level, when you're going out to a bar or something, it's like, yeah, of course I am. Like, I don't, I don't think that makes me a bad person. I don't think that makes me even less of a person. Right. Cause in other instances, I'm sure I outshine them. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's it was just in, it's just in that one particular case like i i'll just recognize my place in the hierarchy and that that gives me comfort 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's just a normal human reaction. Really, it's just seeing the reality on the well, ground. You know what like, I would say, know? though? It, it is a human reaction, but it's also an element of masculinity, too, mm, is yeah. recognizing your place within the hierarchy. And accepting it in a yes. dignified manner. Because that is part of like all this like bro shit, you know, bullying. Bullying is just a tactic. How you use it was what matters. And mm. like, and obviously it's going too far and shit. But that is like, I mean, I've been in the military for 11 years. I can't tell you how many fucking kids I've bullied. But like, you know what? A lot of times it's like a, I mess with them and it's kind of, it's almost like a, hey, you know, like here we are just joshing around. You can josh with me right back. Like, you know, right. there's this, there's this, you know to some extent kind of a wholesome manner about it but then also on the other hand like even if i'm doing it from a wholesome type perspective there are the occasional ones that push back and get like really um pissy about it essentially and you know what know what we know what is a normal human reaction the mask thing i'm gonna pick at you more Mm because if anything i mean whether it's intentional or not it's almost like i'm teaching you a lesson like hard enough And you'll get along just fine. Like, but the guy that like, if I'm like, Hey, what's up faggot. And then they go, Hey, what's up bitch. And then I'm like, all right, this guy's pretty dope. Like, yeah, you know, right, like, right. but, but if they go, if they go, then it's like, you know, in, in that type of like masculine environment, then I'm like, you know what? Fuck that dude. And like, mm. whether that's right or not, you can say what you will, but it is kind of, this almost like signal signaling amongst, you know, men where it's like, you know, are you able to, you know, roll the punches? Are you able to tell where you're at at the hierarchy? You know, like, yeah, I, I do think it's a normal human reaction. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add on that. I'm kind well, of and like that. anything else, it can be perverted, right? And and it can be and mm-hmm. it can be abused. Like I said, like I I was bullied as a kid, but you yes. know what happened is the school wasn't doing anything. So my mom said, "Okay, listen, two things are going to happen out of these kids." And like this was like I don't even remember what it was at this point. I ended up may- becoming friends with most of them because I went to Catholic school, so it was like real small. And then you fucked of- their moms years later. <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, if only frankly with, with a couple of them, but like, you know, but, but it was like, but like, so I was like that easy mark. I was, I was for the longest time and it took me a while to kind of recognize, um, and there are other for there are other reasons for that as well, but like it's clearly um, character building. Look at you. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing it, it was at, at the end of the day it was. And, uh, oh, that's, but that's how the story ends is like, my mom said, look, he, you're either going to fix this problem. You're going to, they're going to solve it with their words. Or I told him that the next time that somebody makes fun of him, he's allowed to punch them in the face. And when you suspend him, I'm going to go take him to get ice cream. Mm-hmm. So like, so like, but so like, thankfully I had, my parents had enough foresight to say like, well, look, if it really like it, because what you're talking about is in the context of respect, mm-hmm. right? So like, if there's a mutual respect, I have no, like, if you're my boy, I don't care what you say about me. Like, because, because I know you're my boy, like it, it works because you're my friend. It's fine. But if you're a stranger and you come at me and, and we're not in like a work context where you're trying to be friendly or, you know, mm-hmm. there, if there's no context for it to, to justify, it's like, no, then you got to come correct. Like you can't just, you can't just, you can't just automatically do that. And what was happening in this particular environment, you know, when I was a kid, like I'm 10 years, I'm like 12 years old, maybe at the time was it wasn't an avenue of respect because we're just these little apes that are trying to figure out how to be human at that age. Right. And so you do have to solve it with your, with, with physical, you know, but by being physical at some point in time. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think ultimately, like I said, it's really been, it's really been something that I've embraced over the last few years. And there is a refreshing honesty about it too, because coming from, or having a little bit more, time in academia right like everything is so prim and pro and proper and you know you have to be respectful and you have to kind of say the right thing in the right way and i didn't experience some of the crazy social justice stuff that i'm sure kids experience now 
I've also kind of always been this articulate, so it's been easier for me to. I, I'm a little more, uh, uh, I'm a little more adept at that. Like I can switch into a mode of of speaking very easily, and yeah. it's you know, it, it and you kind again, you're you're removing that of which is like you were just pointing out very well. It's just a very natural element of I think specifically male to male behavior, although female to female behavior it, it occurs as well, just in a different form. And this is, you know, this stuff is studied by anthropologists and sociologists. It's all established. Most of the stuff is established science, right? It's just these particular fields of study <clears throat> that benefit the regime because you're denying human nature, right? Like you're, you're saying, oh, boys should be more feminine. They should be more sensitive. Like, again, I speak as a very sensitive man, right? Like it's good to toughen up. And it's good. And, and I am still very sensitive. I love to talk about feelings and like I love, especially with people I care about. I want to make sure your mental health is doing well. I want to make sure you're doing okay, that your relationships are good. But like also, I can, but I'll do that over a beer, right? Like I'll do that kind of saying, like, so you're going to make an honest woman of her yet? There's a, you know? there's masculinity emotional, like an emotional yeah. masculinity as well. Like I know, especially as I've come into fatherhood, I have, a, I have an 11 year old and eight year old. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've like been tear jerked by like and legit fucking cried. And I'm very much a masculine guy in the sense that I'm not one who really cries that much, but something about shit like that fucks with me. And I don't know if it's mm -hmm. a deep, you know, especially now that I've had children and, but as some, to some extent that's, that's like the most, one of the most pure expressions of masculinity I can think of like yeah. crying about something in relation to like, a relationship between a father and it's his child or, you know, something along right. those lines. Like, and that's, I, I don't know. It's like deep, you know, lizard brain type shit. And I, and I do think that there's something like, that's kind of what I was trying to hit on earlier too. And that like, I feel like whether you want to call intentional or not, like, you know, the cathedral or the regime or whatever, it's kind of subverted this masculinity and it's taking it certain ways. Just like, cause I was saying that with like, with the cops and the military, like, it's like, in some weird way, those are almost like pure expressions of masculinity in a sense that have been perverted. And then you even mm -hmm. brought up how they're like kind of pushing through the culture to reduce your masculinity. And I'm not at all saying that it's wrong if you aren't masculine. People are different, but there is something to that. It's at our base. And it's like a, I mean, you can, you can like, um, let's recognize it or not, but it's there. Right. You know, like it's just a base aspect of our, of, of who we are. Like that is like, we are men, like, you know, at our, at our base and you can deal with that or you can't, but like, and you got to realize like, that's part of why I feel like there's something to that. That's like one of the things they've subverted to the most extent possible, you know? Yep. So. Well, and it's, um, so it's, but it, it's, it's never, what they do is they create a monolith. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I kind of put for it, it's the, the piece is called the Zenith of enlightenment. You can go and read it at binawake.com. <clears throat> where I kind of put forward this idea that I was talking about before of instinct, reason, and faith, what our capacity for reason does. And, um, and, and when like, so when I, what I'm also trying to put forward is the pantheonic approach, which is how you like take on ideas and how we understand them as schools of thought. But what it does is it fights against the ever present monolith, right? Like I don't part of, I think this is part of my skeptical background, but I don't always, I don't look at things necessarily as either or, I learned in a logic class once that like the Greek word, the ancient Greek word for or had an inclusive and an exclusive sense. Whereas in English, we tend to use it exclusively only. What that means is like it, it's it's that it's not that it's either one thing or another. Sometimes it's one thing or another or both or neither. Right. And and like and, and that that can be that way with ideas. And there's nothing about 
there's nothing about being a man that says you can't get emotional, right? It's a question of where do you get emotional? When do you get emotional? Why do you get emotional? If you're getting emotional because somebody's saying mean words about you, right? Like, okay, well, guess what? You got two fists. You go settle it that way if they're not, or, or if you if you can't remove yourself from a situation, right? Then, okay, then you got to settle it. So you got to settle it the old fashioned way, right? Like, and that's, there's just a, um, there's an immediate feedback from that. And it's, and again, like you said, it speaks to our nature. Well, this is one of the things that I would argue leftism does. And broadly speaking, you know, whether, whether it's Marxism, whether it's Marxism, whether it's progressivism, whether it's socialism, communism, but I repeat myself, um, like all of these schools of thought developed with the extent with, with the express purpose, critical theory, queer theory, feminist theory, all of them with the express purpose of subverting human nature. It's the idea that the natural order of things, and I know those words can get complicated, right? But like, stick with me for a sec, because the natural order of things must be subverted, right? It's not that there, it, the, the, the contention is not that there are issues that we need to fix. That's what I'm saying as a skeptic. That's what I think we should be doing. No, 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 no. They want to subvert the order. They want to say it's not enough. It's not enough that some dudes are more feminine than others, right? It's that's not enough. It is. Everybody has to be the same, right? Like it is shocking to me the amount of guys I, I come across or see online who don't speak in a deep voice. Like it's something I've always prided myself on is like is, is, is my speaking voice. And then, you know, like there are guys who just they just talk like this all the time. Like I'm just a valley girl and and and, and you're straight. And it's not even it's not even that you're trying to signal, you know, like the oh hey, like I'm, you know, like hey, I'm I'm gay, so I want to I want to speak in this kind of a voice so you can maybe understand even if I don't, you know, give the appearance of it, right? But it's like so it's like it's just this like natural thing that 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 that's tended to happen where literally like men are speaking in higher voices. It's it's very strange. And of course, I guess testosterone levels are dropping overall if you look at the studies, so maybe that has something to do with it. But it's um yeah, it's it's an interesting thing for me because, like I said, I was not. If you had talked to me ten years ago, I wouldn't have considered myself a very manly man, right? You know, like, and now I just now it's just that I have this glorious beard, so I hide it really well. But like, I'm a theater kid. Like, I am that theater kid that everybody hated in high school. Like, I loved, I loved dancing, I loved singing, I loved those things about myself. It never bothered me. It never bothered me when the kids would call me a faggot because I, you know, because I knew I knew I wasn't. Like, and even if I was, it's whatever. Then that's who I am. Yeah, I really love that analogy of a monolith. That's a good way to put it. Like they've created a monolith of, out of masculinity and took and took ownership of it or or perceived ownership because you know it's kind of like I was gonna like the cops, you know, the military. Then it's also like they try to subvert the culture. And even then, like just how I was saying earlier, how there are things that get me emotional from a masculinity mm -hmm. way. Like the fact that I even had to kind of sort of qualify that kind of speaks to my point here that like they have also taken that normal emotional side of man that I feel like is entirely healthy and have subverted that too. Like, nah, 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 nah. like you shouldn't, that no, that's gay. Like you should like, they're like, you know what I mean? Like every turn I mean, like, I'm not necessarily prescribing intentionality. Like these are just natural phenomenons that kind of occur when they kind of, the, the shit happens when, when we move away from the natural order in a sense. But right. it's like, I, I know there is something there. I think there's a deep truth to masculinity that needs to be explored more and, uh, you know, as you say all the time, you know, fucking a good conversation is like jazz. And I feel like right now we're kind of just going back and forth and like, yeah, no, masculinity is a deep thing. And like masculinity like breeds leadership 
and yes. strong men and like and there's well, a so, reason so a why quick, they've undermined that point because mask because like this was a point that jordan peterson made a bunch and it's very important um and you know and in fact i think contradicts some of the the post-libertarian thinking that's going on right now, which is hopefully, hopefully what I can bring, bring to the conversation will kind of harmonize things in a better way. Um, but because I think I see a lot of people making that same mistake of the ever present monolith, right? So it's just left like it's, and, and it's, and it's expressed like this, you know, left is left is chaos, right is order, but order also in or order also encompasses chaos order also encompasses every, a little bit of flexibility, a little, everything good and everything bad is chaos. So I just I don't like that because it's too easy. Right. And yeah. again, and it's it's feeding that lizard brain, that, that lizard portion of our brain. It's feeding yeah. the us or them mentality that we have. Here's another way of putting it. It's 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 the line. Right. Like the, the political compass is a great example of this. And I've written a piece. I, I wrote a piece like this pretty early on. But, you know, like most people conceptualize the political compass as being on a straight line. Right. Well, what happens when you and and most of mathematics was a straight line until the scientific revolution when Descartes decided to put another line on top of that line. And now suddenly we have this Cartesian plane that lets us map all these complicated expressions and things about reality as a, as a result, we do the same. We can do the same thing with political ideology, right? We have the political compass test as a very easy example of this, but it's the same. It's, it's the same thing that we're discussing here. It's not, it's not unidimensional. It's not bi-directional. It's bimodal. It's it's a spectrum, if you will, if you want to, if you want to use that word. Like these things exist in variations and gradations, but we are taught that we are all supposed to be the same. We are taught the egalitarian delusion that everything is equal. And so, when you point out the inequality of things, people are trained to react negatively to it. I can't tell you how many this happened to me just recently, um, specifically with the point of masculinity, where I found out a cousin of a cousin was dating a guy who is my age, not a problem. She's a few years younger. That's not the issue. The issue is he's my age and he's never had a driver's license. And he didn't grow up in Manhattan or Boston or anywhere where it would be acceptable. He grew up in the suburbs and he's almost 30 years old and he doesn't have a driver's license. Let me ask you that question, Jose. You found out you find out that a cousin of yours, a sister of yours, a girl that you care about, you know, as a friend if such a thing exists, like, you know, one of your daughters is dating a guy that doesn't have a license and he's, you know, and he's like well into adulthood. What would you say? I mean, it doesn't really imply good things. I mean, I mean, based on, it's kind of like, so Thomas Sowell kind of goes into like racism and like, I can't remember how he described it, but he, he kind of go, he brought up the perspective once of like, you know, if you look at like statistically speaking at every race, like if I'm going to hail a cab and I have no other information besides like, you know, that person's race, it may derive certain implications. And the same thing goes for this. Like, and it's like, uh, yeah, that doesn't really imply good things, but obviously we need to, to some extent, deal with people and individuals, but the statistics are really pointing to a bad place. I'll say that, exactly. but who knows? He could be fucking awesome and have some weird reason or just like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. I like, I like to jog. I don't fucking know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But like, but that's enough, but that's enough to raise my eyebrows. Yes. You know, and, and, and you, you, you gain enough personal experience and you see enough relationships fail and you, and you witness the patterns of behavior. Right. And that's the part that that's the part that the egal that's the part that the cult of American democracy won't abide because you have to participate in the egalitarian delusion. Right. So I point out like, you know, it would be and frankly, I would I I'd said like in the conversation, you know what? It matters a little less if it's a if it's a girl that doesn't have a driver's license. But as a guy, if you don't have a driver's license, then like you're either you're, you're a drunk, probably. 
right? Because you lost your license. And again, this is within the context of living in a place where driving a car is important. Mm. Or you're a deadbeat, right? And like, it's completely alien to me, but there is a certain class of guy that lives off of lives off of a girl that he's with who takes care of all of his needs. You know, she works, he stays at home because he's like a felon or something like that. If you're in blue collar environments, you hear about this stuff quite often. And so like, you know, but when I bring up like, oh, you know, if it was a girl that didn't drive, that's a little less important. They're like, oh, come on. It's the same thing. It's like, it's really not like I, I still I still think a girl should drive. Like if it was my sister, if it was my cousin, somebody that I care about, I would want them to be independent and have their own have their wits about them and to be the best person that they could be. But in that, but like in abstract, like, yeah, okay. You know, I'm going to care a little bit less. It just sticks out when it, when it's, you know, and again, it's this, it's this, this natural protective element of masculinity. That is, that is really a virtue and it's been turned into a vice by, you know, I, it sometimes it, it, it shocks me to hear me talk like this, but, but it's turned into a vice by feminism. Like Mm -hmm. it just, we, I think we're at the point in, in the conversation right? And the exchange of ideas where we just kind of have to admit that. And if people aren't willing to admit it, then it's time to move on from them being part of the conversation we're having. Yeah. There's masculine and there's feminine. And, but then that doesn't mean you have to fall in there, but at the same time, you do really have to realize to some extent there's nature. And it's like, uh, I heard something the other day. I think it's Coop. I don't remember like aside from that. he's on a, uh, he's like year zero or Tommy Salmon's one of his homies. And he was mm. on the stream with fucking um, Maddie, Maddie uh, Erickson and fucking uh, Ace. And he, I don't know why this really fucking jumped at me. And a lot of people are probably going to be like, well, this is fucking sexist. I don't give a shit. He said, women are born, men are made. And there was something really fucking like deep in there to it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like to some extent, a lot of being women, a woman is to some extent a lot more instinctual. Whereas men, and you can look at it from a biological perspective. Men are a lot less valuable in, in a yes. biological perspective. So that's why there's such a fucking impetus for masculinity because you yes. need to fucking prove yourself. Like you're a fucking – all you are is some – biologically speaking, you're some goddamn semen. Like, right. like you're a dime a dozen. Like you're fucking nothing. Like mm-hmm. you need to make something of yourself. Whereas women, they have a limited amount of eggs. Like you, you, by being a woman, you're being va- you're valuable. By being a man, you're fucking nothing. You have to make yourself. Like it's just – whether you find that sexist or not, I don't give a flying fuck. But like biologically right. speaking, that that is rings true as a motherfucker. And I know a lot of men that rings true to our core. Right. And like it is kind of like a lot of people will take the negative thing out of that, but it's like it's kind of almost positive. It's like a self-help thing. Like, go fucking make yourself. Go be a yeah. goddamn man. You know? Well, this is um, I don't want to get too far off of the thought, but this is also the don't be poor message, right? Yeah. Which I which I'm in complete agreement with. But I wanted to stay on that point you were talking about before, which is which is just to make the point because it is. I, I see these things in totality. Like I was raised by a very strong woman. Like my mother is like one of my favorite people in the world. And she is just super strong, incredibly independent. Her and I are so alike in the way, like we want to explore. Like we were just taught, literally we were just talking this morning about how like we get awkward in, we get awkward in environments where you can't have a deep conversation with somebody. Right. So like, <clears throat> this is actually something I've noticed if you, if you listen closely to people who talk like this is a lot of times they have very strong, very powerful women in their lives. And like, I'm Cuban, man, like Cuban women run the world. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's just, it's, it's part of that. It's part of that Latin culture that it like the machismo exists, but really the women are the ones holding the strings of power a lot of times. And if you listen to somebody like Camille Paglia, you understand that this is a very common thing throughout all of human history. The point 
is what feminism teaches, especially today, is that men and women are inherently at odds with each other, right? To where like, I just saw some tweet thread that somebody reposted of like, oh, well, you know, you know, just think that most men, you know, most men have never really tried to get a woman, right? Because, and, and his reasoning for this was that because most women couldn't get their own bank accounts in the past. And so that's why men, that's, that's like, it's like banks didn't even exist 150 years ago the way they do today. It's like, you're not even really saying anything. Like the idea of the eternal struggle between these classes, whether it's between the gen, between the sexes, between the races, between the classes is this consist is consistently found in in leftist schools of thought right it and it and it is consistently putting at odds something that should be harmonious right like like a like a in in that i've experienced and witnessed good relationships because i'm a single guy so i can't speak from personal experience here but there's a harmony in the good marriages that i've seen and the good relationships that i've seen there's a harmony between the two people one of my best friends in particular just got married last October, been with his girl for like five years. And since the day they got together, like I, I remember like I, one day I looked up and there was four years into the relationship and they're acting the same way that they did. They, they've always been on the same page. They complement each other. They do really well by that. And it's like, and that's, that's how, that's what a relationship should be. But too often when I'm, you know, going out on dates or I'm meeting women, it's like something comes up where it's like, oh, well, you know, like, but, but, you know, but men do this or men do that. And it's like, no, like some men do. This is the importance of individualism, right? Because we naturally collectivize and, and like at the level of instinct, it's, it's incumbent upon our reason to develop better ways of viewing the world, which is why I think in, in particular, a methodological individualism is so important. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't really have much to add on. I feel like we're at a really good spot. I'm surprised how much this fucking conversation pivoted to masculinity when I had a different plan for this. But I, I feel like there's something to that, that like, I feel like it's weirdly important. And especially like me and you, I mean, I'm, I came, my mother was a single mother as well. So there's something too that. Like I was made by that as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and a funny thing is like, I was my dad, thinking, my dad was, was around for the record. My parents were divorced when my dad wasn't yeah, around. Me just, too. Just, me yeah. Too. But yeah, I mean, there is some aspect to, I had me and my sister and my mother was basically having to raise us for a good long while. Sure. And like, I still have my dad, I'd go see occasionally, but then, you know, luckily I ended up having like a strong, a strong male role model later on, you know, that she ended up marrying and he was a great guy. So it was good. And like, we talked in pre about how I've been married. I've been married for almost like a decade. I have two kids. Like, mm -hmm. and so a lot of, I think the, my, my mother having a divorce, like, I think to some extent, a lot of that shaped me. It was like, that's why I'm like, I'm here for my children. It's like a huge big deal for me. But all right, I want to go back because I'm kind of fucking losing my train of thought. But yeah, let's do it. I thought there was something uh, you were you were talking about, like or no, I talked about how like uh, women are are made or women are born and men are made, and like you can look at it in a negative way, but you can also look at it in a positive way. Like men are striving to to fucking meet up to you. It's like so a good woman makes you better. You yeah. know what I mean? Like oh, I yeah. like if anything, it's the opposite. Be like, oh, that's fucking sexist. But, like. Sort of, but like against me, really. Like I'm saying, I'm fucking worthless. I'm <laughs> still. There is nothing. There is nothing. Like there is nothing that makes me want to change my mind more than women saying, like, "Oh, I'm not interested in dating you because you're a libertarian." Like, it, it, even though I know it's a cultural artifact of where I live, like it's it's again, it's 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 like like literally, I'm like, what is happening? Like. I've been, I've gotten to this point and now suddenly we're not, now suddenly I can't even like, I can't even get a second date. And it still crushes me when I think a date goes well and it doesn't go well. Why? Because I want to please the woman. 
Like I want her to want me. Right. And yeah. you know, I, I need her to need me. I'd love her to love me. And I'd begging her to beg me. Like it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it is this real thing like that. And that's where, again, where I, I despise this incessant, this insistence upon, and it's not even an insistence upon because most people just imbue the culture around them. So they don't even think actively about this. Right. But you don't understand how these, I, you know, we've been talking a lot about esoteric ideas and we're kind of, but then if you've noticed, we've also meandered into like personal stories of like important things of, of, of our lives. And that's how I like to use ideas as the springboard to self-discovery. Right. And, and I do this a lot. I do this a lot myself because I've never really found a good therapist. Um, also, you know, like I can talk for an hour, so that helps too. You know, <laughs> you can turn it into a podcast and pretend it's therapy. Um, but like, but, but, but the important matter is, how do we use ideas? How do we apply them to actually make our lives better? It's not enough to just understand a, a, the concept of something. If you're not striving to make yourself a better person as a consequence, then you're not, then you're only doing like a quarter of the work, yeah. maybe, maybe even less. Yeah. Let's touch on that a little bit. Like to bring it back to like, to bettering yourself and bettering yourself for your woman. And for me, even my family, like, uh, for example, like I mentioned, I'm getting, I'm actually like literally was it uh, yesterday was my, was my first day of officially not being an active duty military member. Right. So like, but fucking like for me, like if it was up to my wife, she probably would have had me keep going. Cause it was more stable. It felt better for her. But for me as a man, like that felt like cheating. Like mm -hmm. it was like, to some extent, like I'm trying to better myself for her and my children. Cause I'm trying to set an example of like, for my family and whether they agree with it or not, I'm still trying to better myself even past their expectations. And that's right. not my prime motivator. I have a whole, I had a whole bunch of motivators. I've said many times it was completely to, oh, selfish as well, because I think 2020 really took us out of theory into praxis. And really right. it made me realize like, Oh shit, I don't want to be in the military when this shit gets fucking real. So yeah. that's why it was kind of like, it took me out of theory. So like, mm -hmm. But still, even then, there was a component of like, I want to be better for my wife. I want to be better for my children. Like, I don't want to model this behavior for a future generation because, like, my children aren't going to understand. I'm like, hey, this is completely immoral, but I had bills to pay. Right. Like, they're not going to get that. You know what I mean? But right. for me, and uh, don't get me wrong, if I couldn't, if I couldn't have paid for bills, I would say I would I would realize it. I totally would. I know there's people out, out there uh, uh, upset about that, but you know, what? I mean, my prime objective is taking care of my family. Yes. But I mean, while I understand it's going to be a tougher road. I took the tougher road because of the fact partially because I want to set a good, you know, uh, fucking example for my family and I want to be better for them. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and even while they may object to it to some extent, but I'm like, no, like that's not the right way. You know? Right. Well, and <clears throat> you know, it's one thing to have a job that, that pays the bills and does that. It's another thing to be fulfilled in doing that job. And if you can make the first, and if all you can do is the first thing, then God bless you. And that's exactly what you should be doing, right? It's exactly what you should be doing. <clears throat> but we live in times that allow for the second, like, like, like we just do. Like I said, okay, you're not, you're not rolling in and doing this podcast right now. You're covering some pretty expensive costs. Like StreamYard ain't cheap, you know, like it, these things, you know, getting all the equipment like this, you know, the equipment that we have to do to make sure our audio is good and a decent camera lighting the things in the background, like this stuff all costs something. Right. So it's like, it, it costs something, but it's, it's worth building. And again, we have the capacity. I think if you want, if you want to answer the call, 
you have the capacity to reach the limits that you want to reach. And this connects very well to that, to the don't be poor message that's, that's, that's circulating right now, or just, you know, stop being poor. Like, and again, I've spoken to this a few times, but like, personally, that is a very empowering thing to me. And I get how, when you're broke, it sucks. Like, and trust me, cause I've been broke. I have, I am that guy that has well into six figures of student debt that I pay a hefty mortgage payment to every single month. And then like, I just recently last year got to the point where I was comfortable financially, right? Uh, you know, cause I never finished college, but I still have, but I still have six figures in debt. I am that statistic and yeah, I'm not a dummy. I just have like weird things that, I, that, that have occurred to me in my life. Um, and I've made, you know, and I've made mistakes and I've made bad decisions. Uh, but I could, but I have choices. I could wallow, right? But if I wallowed, or I could do what I could do what a lot of people do who gra- you know who graduate from university and complain about the student debt crisis, is, which I could not pay my bills, I could not pay my loans. But you know what would happen? Because mine are done through private servicers. My grandparents' credit would be ruined because they were the ones who co-signed the loans for me. So while it's a burden that I've had to bear, and I res- have resented it at times, uh, to be completely frank, I've resented it at times. I've done it. And I figured it out and I worked two jobs, even like the job that I had now, my, the first year, they didn't pay me a lot. They barely paid me enough. So I got a second job and I worked seven days a week for, you know, for eight months. And then I kind of got to, and then I got a little bit more money. I got a raise. Um, you know, I was working at uh Bose at the time on the weekend. So I got a lot of nice gear, which was fun, like some nice headphones and speakers. But like that's but that's what I did because it's what I had to do. And here I am sitting three years later is like I, you know, I invested in like I invested in a whole new laptop, a whole new like a new laptop, an iPad, like my my portable recording system here because I could afford it. Right. Because I got to because I worked hard. I focused on building my skills. I provided value to people and I made money as a consequence. And not everyone's going to have the same exact story as me. I get that. And I, and and it looks different for everybody and I but I also understand that mindset of when you're in that position of like being broke it's like dude, I don't even know what my first step is. Like like literally I was working in a store that was threatening to close in like 3 weeks and I'm going to be out of a job. I'm not going to be able to pay and I was like I'm living at home cuz all I can do is literally all, literally all I'm doing is making money to pay my student loans every single month. That's all I was doing 3 years ago. I was ma- and, and getting really high all the time. Like, you know, with, with what money I had left over, I'd buy weed and just get stoned. Like (laughs) that's what I did a lot. That's what I was doing. Now I get to travel the country. I get to go on vacations. I get to be happy. I get to buy better weed. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a real thing. There's a real thing that happens when you kind of, when you open yourself up to opportunity and it was literally a phone call. I'm like literally on the floor, I'm getting a call and I picked it up and they're like, Hey, you know, you worked here a few years ago we have somebody uh, retiring. Would you be interested in coming back in like a full and like a, I worked as like just a back of house, like a, like a factory position. And they wanted me to come back as a salesman. That's pretty cool. Like, you know, and it was like, yeah, that kind of came out of the blue, but that happens to people, you know, and, and it happens when you put yourself in the mindset of it, or at the very least you better struggle and figure it out because you don't really have a choice. Do you, unless you're rich, in which case screw you, because I wish I had money to fall back on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I find it funny how people pride themselves on being individualists, but then will shit on the don't be poor message. Because yep. you also got to keep in mind, you know, we all also pride ourselves on being such strong economists. But what does poor mean? What is money? Money is just a, a signifier of value, or what's what it's supposed to be. Like it's a mm-hmm. it transfers 
you know, value from one to another or whatever. So yep. like it's supposed to be a placeholder essentially. So it's fucking value. Poor does not necessarily mean monetary, but it, I mean, you can, I feel like it's a rough indicator of where someone is in their, you know, value or their wealth, you know, based on value. It doesn't have to be money is their money. Like it's a good reasonable, like, you know, not perfect, not ideally perfect, but you know, that could just be having a fulfilling life. That could be, you know, being influential, being smart, being whatever. It's literally the wealth power influence. Like right. it's literally all it is. Like when you say poor, like, but what do you mean? Are you meaning literally just monetary? Okay, cool. I can see the issues of saying, you know, saying the crux of the issue is that people don't have money or whatever. Like, right. okay, cool. Whatever. That's not, that's not that. But if you're saying it in the sense of like having value, like, then yes, I get it. And that's like individualism at its core, like improve yourself. Like that's the best mm -hmm. way to go, you know? Absolutely. But, well, yeah. and moreover, cause then you, cause then it gets even worse if you, if you pay attention, which is to say that, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm in and out of a lot of blue collar environments. Um, and depending on where I am, you know, the, it's either, you know, you're kind of dealing with middle-class to maybe lower middle-class to lower-class people, uh, you know, uh, wage-wise that are, that are there. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with somebody who says like, well, you know, like I can't get people to work. I can't get them to show up five days a week. And if you are somebody, you know, arguably a lot of people listening to this podcast, right? Like if you were, if you grew up middle-class, if both your parents graduated college and had white collar jobs, you know, maybe a lawyer, maybe just an insurance salesman, um, you know, maybe a teacher or something like that. And then you went to college and you go and you graduate and you go get your white collar job where you're working as like a data analyst or, you know, a graphic designer at some major firm. You are ignorant and you're ignorant for this reason. You've never spent time. You have never seriously spent time with people at, in lower economic classes. Or if you have, it goes, if you have, it goes, it, it's, it's done in like a charity context to where like you're giving of yourself to them, which, which in turn puts you kind of like above them, right? Because you're the one volunteering your time. And then this isn't a knock on service. This is just a recognition of like the inherent self-interestedness of that, right? It's, it's the, it's the meme of the white girl going to Africa and taking a picture of somebody else building a house. Like, right. Like, you know, it, 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 it's, it's that kind of a meme is kind of what I'm driving at here. And there, and by the way, again, there's nothing wrong with being ignorant of this stuff, but man, it slaps me in the face often. We're like, you know, I listen to the guys on the floor complaining about the fact that they don't make enough money. And then you go talk to the sewer. I was like, yeah, he didn't show up for work last week. Like, you know, so I had to bump him from days and I had to move him to nights. Like, you know, it is like, uh, you know, these guys, these guys complain, the guys don't work 40 hours. And then they complain when they don't get overtime on Saturday, when they got to come in, this is, just this is just kind of the reality of a lot of people that exist out there and there's again these people these are most of these are good people you know they're just they're just making money to get by and there's and again if that's your mentality poverty what is it that jason stapleton says he says that it's one or the other but it's like being poor is just uh being poor is just a a, a consequence of your bank account but like living in poverty is a mindset if you have the mindset of poverty you are going to be poor. And when I tell you that my life got better when I stopped trying to think about the money that I didn't have and then started instead trying to think about the money that I could make, it just, it, it frees you up. And look, you know, part of the reason why I can do such a good show and I can write as much as I do is because I have this weight off my back because my, my expenses are taken care of. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not rolling in it, but I'm comfortable, right? Like if I had a family, I'd be in a different situation, but you know, for better or worse, mostly worse, I'm by myself. So I only have myself to take care of. So like that gives me the time and I'd have, and I have more peace of mind as a consequence of not being poor and leisure. There's this great book. Leisure is the basis of culture. Liberty fund has it. If people are interested, um, I'd highly recommend people read it and I will certainly be covering it at some point because that's kind of the next stage of, of beenawake.com. But, you know, leisure is at leisure is the basis of culture is the, is the thesis of his book in the case he tries to make, because until we have leisure, there's really nothing without until we reach a state of leisure in one in one form or another, there's no reflexive action, right? Like our forebears, like, you know, two, three generations ago, they didn't get they didn't have the luxury to waste time on self-knowledge the way you and I can in 2021. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's a consequence of that's a consequence of the level of, of wealth that's been built. And it's a consequence of the blood, sweat and tears of men and women throughout all of history. Right. And we're given this amazing position. And what do people want to do? They want to throw it in the trash. Right. Because why? Because because my teacher told me that the universe is mean to me. Right. My, my teacher told me that I could be whatever I want to be. So now I'm a they them. Now I'm a they her. Have you seen this? Like it's and again, I, I don't want to come off as dismissive because I really am sympathetic to these people. Like, um, you know, it, it, this might this might brush up against some of your audience. But like if I was one of these lefty people, you know what? I'd be a queer demisexual. I've got enough of the bona fides to make that happen. I could elevate certain ele certain elements of my personality. I am attracted, you know, like, yeah, I'm a man, so I am attracted to people physically. But I really I, I do like to connect with people on an emotional level. And those are the those are the relationships that I that I cherish the most, especially with women. Right? So like so I could easily just call myself a queer demisexual because queer, you don't have to, you know, you could still be hetero and call yourself queer. Yeah, caring right? about emotions is pretty good, dude. Just <laughs> 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 fuck with you. Right. But my, my my point my point here is that like, you know, we take as human beings, we take ideas and we run with it. Right. And so, and this is an example of so what we've done, not we, I'm using that in a, in a very loose sense, what, what the universities, what the media has done is basically said, you can do what you can be whatever you want inside of this weird world of like wokeism, right? Where like, <clears throat> I'm supposed to like care about the fact that you have some weird gender in your profile. And, and for some reason, mind you, for some reason, I, I always put, I'm straight, I'm interested in women. But I still see like, you know, non-binary bisexuals, like only, you know, or, or and, and not to be, I'm not trying to be a dick here, but like, and, and trans and trans women too. And it's, it's interesting because your identity is not made up of who you are, right? That's the, that's the fatal conceit of this pronoun business is your identity is not solely a matter of who you are. It's also a matter of how people perceive you. Mm -hmm. And and that feedback effect, like I mentioned before, like, you know, like, shit, two girls don't want to hang out with me anymore because they find out my politics are marginally right wing. And like suddenly I'm thinking like, well, sh you know, do, do I start lying? Do I, am I, you know, should I just should I just start lying about who I am? Should I change my entire worldview? So I'm more so I'm more passable to the other sex. These feedback mechanisms are, are important. And this in this inclusive in this inclusive environment that we, you know, quote unquote, that we've put together they don't add, these people don't actually get that feedback effect, right? Because what am I? I'm just a bigot at this point to those people. If they're even listening, if they're even listening by now, right? Like I'm just a bigot. If I say that, listen, I'm just not interested. I'm not interested in like any kind of romantic relationship with you. Would you change your 
attitude? Would you change your appearance? There's this other thing, and sorry, you know, to stay on this point, but it's interesting. It's like maybe you've witnessed this too, or as a married guy, maybe you don't notice, but like there's also this like, and I, you know, I say this is I got a my beard is really bushy right now. Like, you know, this is just uh I'm just on the road, you know, it's like I I, I can look better than I do right now, but it's like like people just don't care about their appearance, right? This like androgyny. I don't want to look like a man or a woman. I'm just looking like this amorphous blob. You just want to look distinct. You want to be noticed. Right. But it's, it's, it's like, I've literally walked in places like Lincoln park and I'm, and I question the only way I can tell whether somebody's homeless or just like, you know, uh, uh, somebody who lives in like Lincoln park or Logan square in Chicago <laughs> is, imagine is a like game show homeless or homo <laughs> shoes. shoes. It's always the shoes, right? You can always tell by the shoes. Is you know like the shoes are clean because these people are dressing like they're homeless sometimes, and there's it's just this weird like it's this casting off of again just like being you know be masculine be feminine be a feminine guy be a masculine girl like I don't know there's actually something I find a little bit attractive about a girl who's a little more not not butch per se but like has more assertive tendencies there's something I like about that right like it's 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 an attractive quality. But instead, what they've done is they've just like they've just they've given uh, they've given people. I don't know. I, I've honestly been thinking lately about how it feeds into the larger depopulation narrative, frankly, um, <laughs> it's just like it's like, well, let's just make the sexes as unattractive as we can and completely muddy the waters of what's a man and what's a woman. And, you no know, people will have <laughs> yeah, and people will have less people will have less kids. And it's proven. We know that we know that millennials are having less sex than their than their previous generations. We know Gen Z is even having less sex, according to any of the studies you can find, any of the polling data. So, you know, some of this stuff is working. Yeah. I mean, to some component of the masculinity that we were talking about earlier is also contributes toward attracting a mate and breeding. Yes. So, you know, destroying that and femininity kind of to some extent can do that as well. So maybe they're playing the long game. They're depopulating, but you know, I think we're at a good time where we got to get kill, kill it. Cause it's getting late for me too. But dude, like, I feel like this is a sign of a good interview that we didn't really hit on anything that I intended to, but you I know agree. what? Like that's, it was kind of like, well, fuck it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a fun conversation. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I love this conversation. It was, it was fun as fuck. This is uh this is why I say you're one of the underappreciated talents. I think anyone listening should definitely go check you out. Um, you want to go ahead and drop your plugs. Yeah, absolutely. I can be found at beenawake.com, uh, B-E-E-N-A-W-A-K-E.com. That said, that sends you right to my Substack. Sign up there. You can find me on Twitter at the LB Muniz, M-U-N-I-Z. Uh, but really, go to beenawake.com. Please sign up with your email address. Um, and if you're so inclined, if you'd like to take a look once again, you know, uh, get it on the ground floor, level up your reality. Fifty percent off lifetime discount if you become a paying subscriber. That's going to entitle you to um, next time I do from now on interviews are going directly into the podcast feed for premium members. Also, I'll be doing uh, lectures and extra content that deals with more like philosophical schools of thought. In addition to all the con commentary that I currently do on there. Yeah, I mean, definitely go check him out. Uh, this will absolutely not be the last time you guys hear from LB on my channel. Uh, as, as long as he doesn't like bang my wife or some shit, I think I'm sure I'll bring him on again sometime. Um, but yeah, I mean, LB really is a fucking treasure. I can't, I can't stress enough. You guys need to go check him out, give him his attention. Cause if we don't, if we don't fucking identify these talents and reward them accordingly, they will fucking wither away as is market activity. So, um, well, I think, yeah, you, uh, yeah just to, in, in closing, right. It's like, I, 
you know, I love the, I love, like, like we were talking about Tower Power Hour before. Like, I love that. I love the hang. I've been on that show before. It's fun. I, you know, we talked about masculinity and busting balls. And, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I do that more. You'll see that more in like my interviews. But then it's also important that we explore ideas and it's also important we, we try and take things there. So I try to complement that broader kind of culture with the more, with, with, with some of the, um, uh, a little bit more of the background and trying to dive deeper into issues. So if you, if, yeah. you, if you found this interesting at all, come subscribe because at the worst, the worst case scenario, you know, you're going to have an email in your inbox that you can read when you take a shit in the morning. Yeah, no, I, th- I feel like, uh, I feel like practice is the absolute most important thing right now. We need to be doing something because mm. at least you're moving, but you know, theory, like what you're talking about is what directs your orientation and makes it more on a zero. Like if you believe in objective morality or truth, it gets you closer to that. Yeah, so, like, I'm mean, not doing strict yeah. theory. It's sense making. So yeah. that's yes. why it all fits together. Exactly. Uh, for me, I'm on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm anywhere audio podcast. I'm on Odyssey. Uh, go give me money at patreon.com. So it's No Way Jose 2020. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, dude. It's been awesome. We're definitely going to have to do this again with our my channel or yours. This will be an ongoing thing for sure. I appreciate oh, you yeah. coming on, man. Let's do it. All right.